Hello everyone and welcome to That's A Wrap Podcast, the show where we wrap up the latest films we've seen. I'm your host, Matthew Parkinson. And I'm your co-host, Joe Downey. The date today is the 15th of May and the time of recording is 3.11pm. If you'd like to find out where to keep up to date with us on social media, all respective info is in the bio of today's show, along with info for the opening and closing jingles. How are you today, Joe? I'm doing good. How did that? How did that feel for you? Oh, nerve wracking. Back on the ones and twos. Uh, it's I'll never I'll never be a Joe Downey in terms of reading oh. the intro. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, yeah, maybe I should do it more often. <laughs> awesome. I realised um, as we started recording, I haven't done any synopsises, but what's new? <laughs> I've done a couple. Um, I don't know if you okay. have the Google ones ready to go because I don't. Oh so, yeah, um, I can. I've, I've got the Googles ready. Oh, sick. All right, cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, before yeah, we... How are we, how are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, um, good. 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 Awesome. How, what have you We're, seen we... recently? What have you What well, have you been watching? Real quick, I, th- I just thought oh, I'd yeah. Sorry. say to the people that we are back on the digital sphere. Yes. Um, yeah. Coming at you from Facebook Messenger. Um, we will be in person at some point, but, you know, life, life, be lifing, as yes. we say. Um so yeah, what, uh, what have I seen recently? Um, I saw a little indie ditty known as Doctor Strange Two and the Multiverse Madness. Nice. Um, it's got it's like I think Francois Truffaut directed or some shit. Um, <laughs> it's got like James Dean in or something. No. Uh, uh, how how was it? <laughs> how, <laughs> it was, how was it? it was, right. Here's my thing. Right. Go Whenever on. I see stuff like the new Batman or this get mixed reviews, and then I watch it, I go, oh, it's because people just don't like fun. <laughs> it's just a fun little film. Is it like not little, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, We're not it's just pretentious a... on this podcast. We love it. It's good. <laughs> it's just it's just a roller coaster. It's fun. Like yeah. like what do people hate fun? Like <laughs> like yeah, there's probably not a plot. It's just <laughs> probably. It's just magic. <laughs> I I can't I can't judge as I haven't seen yeah, it yet. Yeah, I'm I'm ranting. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, you know, I just yeah, I can't contribute to your to your rant because I haven't. But do you know what I mean? Where it. it's just like people are like, oh, it didn't do this and it didn't do that and it wasn't this. I'm like, it it's just a fucking it's a wizard who has a flying cape and you know, yeah. just can do, do magic gang signs. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Um... Yeah, it, but sure. in all seriousness, it was a lot of fun, and Good. Sam Raimi's little quirks are in there, and that's what made me like it a lot. I was like, I didn't like it a lot, but like you know what I mean. Like, there's that. Go see it for that. Um, but I nice. believe you saw the actual indie ditty inverse of that, right? Uh, yeah. So, in reference to what you're saying, I, I yesterday I went to the cinema and I saw everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, and it's it's very good. It's very very name good. the things. <laughs> Name three things, or you're a fake fan. It's uh, Nirvana, Trainspot. Yeah, no, and it's yeah, I guess like uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. It's another multiverse movie yeah. uh, distributed by A twenty four instead of uh, Marvel and the MCU. Uh, it's it's really good. It's a very um, chaotic and odd film. I was saying to my mum, I don't think she would be a big fan of it because it is like very sort of balls to the wall chaos and but like at its heart it does have a very good consistent emotional core and it does tell a good story at its heart but so if you can get past the kind of chaos of it also i wasn't a big fan of some of the humor and it feels maybe a little bit like haha rick and morty random humor but like have you seen have you seen swiss army man yes okay fair enough which is it similar a little bit 
Um, I, in humor. But then, I guess a tiny bit. I don't know. I don't want to get bogged okay, down the, in the comparing. reason why I say it's been for, ages for since I've seen Swiss Army. It's the it's same the directors same as directors, the, the yeah. Daniels. Yeah, it's yeah, really good. Yeah. I would highly recommend going to watch it. It is one of the most like creative, just zany, action packed, but still very much like heartfelt and intelligent films I've seen cool. in the last um, few months. It's very good. So, yeah, speaking of zany, I <laughs> I saw I saw Paul Schrader's Cat People. Oh yeah, um, it's so bad. It's brilliant. <laughs> It's just such a bad film that it's hilarious. And, like, half of uh, the cinema that we were at were like, oh, yeah, this is a really bad film. Ha ha. Laughing. Having a great time. And then the other half were like, I'm watching a serious film. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't laugh. And I'm like, really? It's called Cat People. I haven't seen many of Paul Schrader's <laughs> films. Um they're yeah, they're all over the place. All of all of the ones he's directed, I think I've only seen First Reformed, but obviously I've also seen I'd say that's Raging all over Bull the place and, as well. I've seen Raging <laughs> Bull and Taxi Driver as well, which he wrote, but obviously mm. Scorsese directed. But no, I haven't I haven't been keeping up with his career, um, so I don't know. It's a funny one. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. Uh what else? <laughs> I was gonna say this, and it just makes me sound like I'm on the Marvel train, which I guess like we always are. Mm. Um, oh, uh, is, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, go ahead. No, you got it. Oh no, I was just gonna say another film I saw um, recently, which was another Ryazaki Hamaguchi film uh, called Wheel. Oh, damn, of... you're racking them up. I am. It's called Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. It's his anthology film that follows three. Uh, different oh, cool. stories it's I, I won't go into it too much because i don't want to take up too much time but it's really good go check it out it's on movie uh it's a really good anthology film that's a roaring endorsement yeah <laughs> um i was just gonna say i watched moon Knight. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah that that's yeah i did that um <laughs> should we should we talk about today's films yes um all right weirdly enough there wasn't a theme but they once again we, whenever we've gone for a random thing, they, we find a funny commonality. And today <laughs> is grifters and con men and stuff it like is, that. It is, isn't it? It's like the sort of crime hijinks. comedy we've gone for. Yeah, yeah. I think Because our, our yeah. theme to begin with was kind of... I guess we wanted to do a fun episode. Because I, I think our last couple oh, yeah. of episodes have been quite sort of heavy Death. and serious. Whereas this one is much more like... You, you, I think you said, like, we want to do ep- films where we'd watch them again, I think. Sure. Yeah, like yeah, and one and one of these uh, is a rewatch. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So if we would go into today's one, uh, first one, which is uh, the Brothers Bloom. This is written and directed by Ryan Johnson. This came out in two thousand nine. Uh, Google. Well, do you want to do yours first, and I'll tell you what Google says. Uh, yeah. So my synopsis for this. So it's a film about two orphans who decide at a very young age to become a team of con artists. Basically, and the film initially follows them as children, and then it cuts rapidly to twenty five years later, where one of them becomes dis- yeah, disillusioned and decides to leave the con game, but not before being convinced by his still con artist brother to do one last big job, uh, which he soon's become too emotionally attached to, basically. Nice, nice. Um, I, I, I realised back on it, if, if anyone listens is back, I, I, I go like, oh, thank you, Matt, for, as in for doing a synopsis, and it sounds really bitter, and I'm genuinely thankful, because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise there'd be no synopsis game. I didn't um, see it as bitter, don't worry. 
So I'm, I'm, the podcast person in me is being paranoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Google says, Stephen and Bloom are the world's most successful con men, but Bloom wants to be out of the business. Stephen convinces him to pull off one final job, an eccentric East Coast heiress, Penelope. Which is funny because the original film, the original film title was called Penelope um, mm. after Rachel Weisz's character, but then they changed it to the Brothers Bloom. My, this is a random tidbit. I always thought that calling Bloom Bloom is very lazy because if it's the Brothers Bloom, I'd picture what Stephen Bloom and someone Bloom. Like yeah, that would be so the last name. Just just to explain to. <laughs> anyone listening so yeah you're right um the, the two main just characters in this Joe's played by weird shit just yeah so the two main characters in this uh played by mark ruffalo and adrian brody play two brothers mm. whose last name is bloom one of the mark ruffalo is stephen bloom and adrian brody plays bloom bloom which yeah that kind of threw me off a little bit at the beginning i don't really um but i guess it sort of adds to the eccentricity of of this film and it and it, it does have a lot of uh, that because it was so I looked up this film. It was um, heavily influenced by uh, a lot of like crime comedies from the past. A lot of the classics, uh, most notably Paper Moon, I think. Wow, I, I was about to say there's one that we've talked about oh, on the this Sting show. as well. The, the Sting, yeah, is one. But I, th- um, I th- according to sources, <laughs> Wikipedia, uh, I think Paper Moon Crimes. was like the main inspiration, as well as like some other art house movies like eight and a half in terms of just visual style basically okay. so he, he took a, a, a inspiration from a bunch of different like cr- crime capers and sort of old school art house films for this film and it, and it shows cool. i think because um there's a lot of things i enjoyed about this film and most notably i love uh ryan johnson's sense of direction in this film i think it has a lot of great energy to it and charm and style i love like, oh, go on, you're going to say something? I was about to say, real quick, can we, just for people who may not know, or they definitely might have seen some of his, can you explain oh, yeah. Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker? Ryan Johnson, so this is, um, he is a sort of, I don't want to say up and coming, because he's been around for a while, but, like, I guess in, in recent years, he's come more into the spotlight. He's a very good director. He uh, recently did uh, Knives Out. He wrote and directed Knives yep. Out, which he received um, an Oscar nomination for, Best Original Screenplay. And before that, he did the films Looper with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis, the sci-fi, as well as directing Star Wars The Last Jedi and uh, this film, Brothers Bloom. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's just and a brick, very And good, Brick as well. And Brick. This Brick was his debut film that came out and before this. And episodes of Breaking Bad. Yes, he's a very accomplished writer-director, and I'm very excited for his Knives Out sequel, his next installment of I the Ben Marvel I don't know if they're going to... If they're gonna do like an Agatha Christie thing and have them be different titles, or if it's just gonna be called Knives Out Two. No, I think it's gonna be it's different Benoit titles. Bl- oh, all right, because it's, it's, it, it's Knives Benoit Out Two is just a working returning. title that he's very eager to change. But um. oh, okay, cool. Because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's Netflix bought it, so it's just yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, but, but um, no, he's, so yeah, yeah he's, he's a very good director. Very, um, you notice this with all of his films; they have a, just a great sense of style to them. He's a very right. like confident director, and this film is no exception. I had in my notes uh, very ambitious and confident camera moves. I just like right. there'll be these really big swooping shots and like these very like slick edits that just it's like there'll be there's this montage at the beginning when they're kids and they're conning people and it's done with just such a great sense of fun i really liked it I'd, yeah i just found myself smiling a lot watching this as that, that is with that's one of my main films. takeaways with this one yeah. is that it, it's it's just 
a lot. It's light, breezy fun. Like, yeah. It's a fairly harmless film. I mean, kind of both of today's films are quite harmless. But like, yeah, it's just like nice. And yeah. the, the beginning, you know, I've I've seen other films that have done, you know, the the the, the, the it's weird because I've I've read a bit of uh, the script for Dead Ringers and the opening is the same, but it's a completely different film. It's like oh. a Cronenberg <laughs> body horror. But like oh. the idea of like these two twins and uh, and like the how they're brought up in the homes and and like the narration that came with that, mm. it just reminded me of that. But I could be way off base. But like the idea of just like the whimsical narration uh, montaged with them growing yeah. up and like how that's cut to 25 years later here's what we got it gives um, it like a storybook feel i think doesn't it yeah, it feels yeah. like you're reading like a sort of newspaper clipping or something or like a, the beginning of this would novel. not be out of, out of yeah the beginning out, uh, of this film would not be out of place in like a nickelodeon film or something yeah. like that or yeah, like yeah. disney <laughs> um but then it gets semi-darker so hmm. um yeah um so this was his second film uh, after brick so he got popular off brick and then got a bigger budget but this film, in the grand scheme of things of his filmography, is quite buried. Not people, not a lot of people know about it. It's not talked about enough, and that's kind of why I wanted to watch it mm. because even in its marketing, it's kind of covered in this like straight to DVD font, and you see it a lot in like it's a very two thousands film. Is basically yeah. what I'm trying to say. Um, in, in how it's been marketed and then you watch it and then it's got these experimental things that he's still trying to do with such a mainstream looking film. Does that, mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, um, I, I, I haven't seen any like advertisements of it. I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I, I know what you mean about the poster looking very like accessible sort of like, right. oh, rom-com 2000s kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. you watch the film and it's a lot more idiosyncratic. But um, yeah, no, I, I guess... It, it probably has been buried a little bit, right? Because um, I, I, I don't think Ryan Johnson was really put on the map until he did Looper, I, I guess. Right. That was kind of the film that made him, f- uh, I don't know about famous, but like well-known. Reached like a new plateau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I just, he, he's really good. I think like despite some flaws this film has, and which I'll get okay, to in yeah, a bit. Let, let's, oh, I was about <laughs> to say, we should get into that because for me... Whilst my takeaway with this film is that it's very light and breezy and fun, there's just for me there's just something missing, and I yeah. want to talk about that with you. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what that is, but yeah, what did you what did you have that was flagged up? I, I read yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I read a couple of reviews on Letterbox which said the same thing basically, like oh this was really fun but it was missing something, and I kind of I, I found that as well. I think so. Um, so w- one of the flaws I had with this film was. Um, Although it is very, like, stylistic and, you know, fun to watch, I feel like the sort of the emotional core, the emotional through line of it does feel a little bit trite and uninspired, perhaps. Like, I think... So, uh, obviously, not to get into spoilers too much about this film, but like we said in the... Take a shot every time we say that. (laughs) (laughs) I will be dead. (laughs) Um, But it's... So, obviously, these two con men are doing one last big job, which is a cliche. They call it out. They still do it, calling out whatever. But it's... um, And then they... So, um, as you said, the last con is them trying to con this Rachel Weisz character who plays this sort of very rich but very sheltered... Yeah, kind eccentric, of awkward, rich eccentric, person. rich person. Yeah, 
and they're trying to con her out of a lot of money. But Adrian Brody's character, Bloom Bloom, uh, starts to develop <laughs> feelings for her. And that you start to get a sense of that relationship about 25 minutes in. And you kind of, I just felt the sense that from there, you can kind of see how the whole of the second act is going to climax. Like, you, whether it does or it doesn't, will. <laughs> that's for the right. audience to it's see. It's just, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot you, of beats that are quite predictable. It's quite predictable. And you get a sense of like, oh, they're forming a relationship, but he's got a secret. How is this going to plateau? Is she going to find out? She probably is. And it's like, I just felt that was a little bit stale. And it made me think, so like, because for a lot of the second act, it does throw a lot of twists and turns, which kind of make it fresh enough to watch. But the sort of underlying emotional core of it does have that kind of okay i know how what this is going to funnel down into by the aaron 30 mark so it kind of it left me a little bit cold in that regard i guess because uh, i was just waiting for that plot beat to happen where you know she finds out and right it all falls apart and it's kind of like oh okay <laughs> but like i said it it takes enough kind of twists and turns on the way was, to get yeah, in there there's say, a lot it, of it yeah. tries it tries its best to do its own twists and turns on yeah. the genre in a similar way to Knives Out, where they're like, we're going to talk about the conventions and see how we can flip them. Yeah. But this one... Doesn't do it as well. Subverts it less. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think the main way it tries to subvert it is within her, her character. So, for instance, they'll talk about, like, mm. with a con, the best way is to, like, s- start conversation with the person and find a commonality and stuff like that, and then they just have a, like, not want to have a conversation with him and yeah. stuff like that, or, like, her drive off and little things like that, which are nice. Yeah. The other things that I, that I don't... I mean, the things I don't really like with it is, like, when you have, like, Mark Ruffalo being like, this is the part in our script now, stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's very admirable, I think. Ryan Johnson clearly has a sort of a knack, a flair for taking sort of old vintage subgenres like the Who Done It yeah. or the Crime Caper yeah. and trying to sort of reinvigorate and find fresh ways to do them. He did that much better with Knives Out because he found a way to sort of fundamentally change the perspective of the Who Done It so it becomes truly from a structural point of view much and more criticize it. And criticize it. And whereas this one it's still like I said a lot of the beats are still very predictable in this um but it changes up enough for it to be somewhat forgivable. Another like um, issue I had with this film is I felt the characters were maybe a little bit one note at times. So right. like you have Adrian Brody, who's like he's the sort of he's the straight man basically. So Mark Ruffalo is kind of this very elusive sort of eccentric con man who's always got something up his sleeve and adrian brody's kind of the reactionary character going oh you devil you right bad man yeah. and, it, and it felt very much kind of like a little bit bland maybe like a lot of his dialogue is him whining <laughs> and just I, being one the thing I, this is a, just a little tidbit thing but like it should be cast the other way around adrian brody looks like the older brother because <laughs> he's taller, I guess. Yeah, and he just looks older. Like, but <laughs> at the same, I couldn't see Adrian Brody playing. Mark, he doesn't have Mark Ruffalo's charisma. But like, it's, mm. I just the the I, I thought that was the only I, I bit of that. casting yeah. in terms of he, he he doesn't feel like Mark Ruffalo doesn't feel like the older brother, but he is. I um, think, yeah. But yeah, I, they are it, it, in this type of genre. They are just like the archetypes of the characters. Yeah, like the, 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 yeah, they are just very one note. And um, I suppose maybe the, that's with the, the only difference missing. being yeah. 
yeah, with the only difference being Ra- Rachel Weisz, which I think she does carry a lot of this film. She it's does well, but again, a joy she, feels, to watch. she feels a bit one I think all four of them, all the f- four main characters are Adrian Brody, kind of, like I said, he's a bit whiny, a little bit bland. Ruffalo is kind of, he's smug and elusive, and that's kind of what right. we have to go on for most of the film. Uh, Rachel Weisz really is like. awkward. <laughs> yeah, go on. I tell you who I really like is, um, even though, again, she also doesn't have a lot to do, technically, yeah. is uh, Rinko Kikuchi. Yeah. Uh, her character's just so fun. Um... <laughs> But she's so she also played uh, Kumiko in Kumiko the Treasure Hunter. Yes. Um, so she's played a lot of mute character. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, just I just thought she was fun to watch. A surprise though, even though I'd seen him in the credits, I just forgot. And then when he popped up, I was like, "Who's this person?" And then it like clicks. Is Robbie Coltrane? Yes, Hagrid. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck." So yeah, uh, Robbie Coltrane in this film plays um, a guy who was employed by Mark Ruffalo's character, Stephen Bloom, as part of this big, elaborate con within a con uh, that they're performing on Rachel Wise. And he plays this uh, character who might be Belgian, might not be Belgian. We're not sure. Is he Belgian yeah. or is he not Belgian? Well, that's, I think that's one of the jokes. It's, is like, yeah, is you it, don't know. Um, someone putting on an act. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because Mark Ruffalo sets up these cons as if they're like, plays like there's a lot of people acting within within the thing mm. um so i was saying to you um before we were recording that i technically had seen this film before oh yeah in that i in uni in first year we had to do a script report where oh, we okay. read a script all the way through and analyze it and da, 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 da. i went on like some script database picked one of the first letters and I was like, there we go, this one. And this is the one of the first ever scripts I've read all the way through and reported on and analysed and all this other stuff. Oh, nice. Um, from my memory, the original script is way darker, um, especially with the character of uh, Diamond Dog, which, at least from my analysis of the script, uh, so Diamond Dog is like this older uh, mentor character for Stephen and Bloom. Um, but it's implied that like they had a falling out and he's like the evil one that we're never going to see him again type thing. And then obviously we see him Um, in the script. It, at least I felt like it was implying that um, diamond dog had molested bloom. And it was like, Ah. that is not in the the original. That did not make it into the film. And then also um, the character of Bang Bang is way more stereotypical and, and is straight up not called Bang Bang. She's called she's called the and then slur. So it's like I'm glad that didn't make it in. Yeah, I'm glad um, both of those didn't really make it in. Because um, it wouldn't. It's yeah. the the film's attempt at a light and breeziness thing. It, there'll be too way too much of a juxtaposition. Exactly. And it would just feel weird, and it felt weird in the script because yeah, it, it's trying to be light and fluffy throughout, and I guess it'd be interesting to throw those elements in there as a twist but it just didn't work when i when i read the script um but apart from that i don't think much changed um Mm. but it was interesting actually watching a film after reading a script for it because either a lot of the ones i've read are films i've seen before so i'm just visualizing the film um this time around yeah I, i was i was seeing the film after the fact so it was a very weird experience in that i was like I know what's about to happen, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, it's just a really odd experience. Yeah, um, that's weird. That's that's cool, though. 
<laughs> but yeah, I just I thought I'd add that in there. Bit of bit of personality. No, that's that's very interesting. It's, um, it sounds like because <laughs> that sort of tonal balance of very dark and foreboding right. with the sort of light tone. That's that's a hard thing to pull off, especially with your second feature film. You know, that, yeah. that's a hard thing to do, and I'm glad he. And he probably yeah, he probably would have had to muzzle a lot of that because yeah. this is the first time he would have been given a bigger budget um, and things to work with. Sometimes I watch it, uh, when watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, he's got a budget. And there's other times where you can see the lack of certain things. So for instance, um, there's scenes with, with so uh, Rachel Weisz's character, one of her quirks is that she collects hobbies and there's a whole montage of that. And they have her juggle chainsaws, but the CGI for the chainsaws is the worst thing in the world. Like you could, it looks like... It, it doesn't. It doesn't look real. It's, it's so on like, screen for like some two seconds. I, I didn't notice it right. that much. <laughs> right, but I'm just, I'm yeah. just pointing it out. Sure. Um, funnily enough, though, the for that montage where she has to do a lot of those hobbies, she spent ages learning them, and it's there for such a small amount of time. <laughs> so like, she would have learned all the card tricks and. Um, what are the other hobbies? But you, you get you get what I mean. I feel like the uh, oh, apparently Adrian Brody taught us how to skateboard and rap oh, and stuff like cool. this. And but the the, yeah. the card trick one, you you bring that up. That one I feel like the film actually does service to because there is like this really long, uninterrupted shot of her doing the card trick, isn't there? Yeah. Later on in the film, and it's it's very impressive. I remember watching it and thinking, how do they do that? <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was effects or enough, editing or the harp seek. With the harp sequence, I was like, is she playing the harp? This doesn't look real. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so what did you think of um, Agent Brody and uh, Rachel Weisz's chemistry then? Again, like, they're, they're good actors, but it's, um, it's, it's part of this... It's, it's in service of this very, like, predictable plot thread that you know exactly how it's going to, you know, yeah, to culminate you know, and you know how it's going to shatter by in about an hour's time and it just made me think oh like the more i think about it the more i just um you know was kind of it it felt stale and it was kind of the the in-between moments where i was distracted like the the sort of the elements of the con and robbie coltrane's character those moments where i got distracted by that plot thread were the moments i enjoyed where i was like okay i'm enjoying this fun in the moment but from like a retrospective structural story level i'm not yeah. You know, it, 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 it's not great. I think this film and another film we talked about on the podcast, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, oh, are yeah. very similar in that they're like these 2000 films that I'm going to forget after a while. Like, yeah. they're just, they look nice-ish and they're, they're trying <laughs> certain things, but they, it, there's not a lot of staying power. And I can kind of see why this film has been buried amongst Ryan Johnson's filmography. It's just... That it's trying a lot of things, but there's less flair compared to the others. Um, yeah, it's it, like Knives Out. Yeah, has a lot of thematic questions and stuff like that. There's like stuff like that, and I don't see that in The Brothers Bloom. I, I just it's just a nice little conflict. I do think which, so. I, mean, I would like to say that despite the issues I had with a good hour of this film. I think in the last 30 minutes or so, it does kind of pick up a little bit. And I, I found okay. a lot of people, because I, I read reviews of it online, What one of them being, I think, Roger Eberts, and he said that um, he, he wasn't a big fan of the ending of this film. He felt like it was... Was he alive then? Just about. I think he was like a few years off... Because uh, the, uh, the only away. reason why I wonder is it, uh, some reviews are just on RogerEbert.com and it's like 
different critics on his site, so yeah. I didn't know if it would have been. Did how did you? Was it? A, uh, he just he was he wasn't a fan of the ending because he felt like I think his word for it was he described it as there were too many curtain calls. Like it tries too much to have a big cathartic ending like three times before there, actually there was a ending. moment in the film where I, I there was a moment in the film where i was like oh we, we've wrapped up our third act and it was like oh no it's it's still going i liked it though because maybe i don't know maybe it wasn't as streamlined as it could be but it does it did feel powerful i think and there are some like thematic links that link back to earlier in the film and like some clever little subversions and yeah. i think that's that's when it kind of in my opinion when it has its proper footing in that last 30 minutes so i would say stick so, with it if you yeah, yeah. F- for me i think a lot of the moments that you're talking about like there's certain little twists and callbacks that because i'd read it before yeah it didn't shock me whereas i can imagine watching it without reading it just watching it anew for the first time yeah those particular moments i would have been like oh no <laughs> the thing yeah um you know what i'm talking about no uh, i know what you're talking about and <laughs> no and it hooked me because like i haven't read the script like you have i haven't seen this film before and it genuinely it made me go oh that was really cool that's a really cool thing you just did so like uh, the only reason i'm saying this obviously i don't want to go into detail but of all the things i've said before make it make it seem like i'm saying this film isn't worth the watch but i think it is like despite some it is, chunks it's just, of the it's film just that fairly, are great i yeah. think stick with it it is worth yeah. watching in its entirety and it is just fun like whether you're watching yeah. it in a non-thinking about it way it is just a fun film to kind of unwind to yeah. i think but then, yeah exactly that but i realize when i go like ah oh, these things are fairly harmless harmless and not not memorable i a bit of me walks into a wall with that because at the same time this genre doesn't require that especially mm. with our second film like that not everything's meant to be like metaphors this is a deep film like especially with this genre but at the same time i did feel like something was missing with this one even mm. if the genre doesn't require um like these big thematic twists and yeah. turns do you know what i mean yeah um so yeah i um I don't know what else to say about it, really. I, like, just, I, I would recommend it, even though I'm saying it's not memorable. Yeah, <laughs> I guess before we wrap up, one final positive point I had was um, I remember liking the music when I watched it. So um, this yeah, film's the, uh, score composer same was composer. Nathan Johnson. Um, so, yeah, same composer as Knives Out. Yeah, I think he's done so all of Ryan Johnson's films apart from Last Jedi, ah. who John Williams did, I believe. You just reminded me of something. Go on. Um so R- Ryan Johnson's uh, Sam Raimi Bruce Campbell relationship is uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt appears very briefly at the beginning of this film. He does, yes. In that he has like a because he's in and... all of all of, yeah, yeah. He has a blink and you'll miss. He's it, in cameo. all of Ryan Johnson. <laughs> we keep going to speak <laughs> and it goes at the same time. Yeah, blink and you miss it cameo. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in all of Ryan Johnson's films because he's like his good luck charm. Yeah, in the way that Bruce Campbell Sam Raimi. So I, I just thought that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he, he, I think he's a voice. It, yeah, he's a voice. He's a phone call voice. No, he's not a phone call voice. He is playing on Marta's laptop in Knives Out oh, okay. when she's watching when she's watching a murder mystery. And then I think he's a voice of a stormtrooper in Last Jedi. Nice. And then obviously he's the lead in Looper and um, Brick. Brick. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um, it's fun little yeah, good good on him Joseph Gordon-Levitt fun we fact we like for you. friends <laughs> friends are good 
Matty P is going to be in all of my films. <laughs> oh, God. We'll, we'll see um, about that. <laughs> bargain bucket. <laughs> Do you mean bargain bullet? Bargain bullet, but the DVD will be in a bargain bucket. All right. Uh, before we go into <laughs> yep. weird uh, th- uh, threads here, let's, should we try and wrap up this? Yeah. this what, what's, Why should what, people see this? Should people see this? Uh, so if, if I were to wrap this up, I would say it's a very solid crime caper film with a great sense of just style and flair and charm, mostly due to Ryan Johnson's sense of direction and the uh, decent performances of the good all-star cast. I think it does have a few issues, namely the characters seeming a bit one-note and a lot of the plot being quite trite and predictable. But the film right. does just enough, it offers just enough twists and turns for me to forgive it slightly. So I would, overall, I right. would recommend this film despite its flaws. What about you, Joe? Yeah. I'd say if you want to further research Ryan Johnson's filmography, it's always good to catch this one out because it was, it's um, it's the overlooked one. Um, I think it's a very fun, light and breezy film because of the genre, but still has the same... Uh, pitfalls because of well, th- th- as that genre mm-hmm. like anything that goes wrong with that genre this film still has sure. but because of its genre it's still a light fun breezy film that made sense in my head maybe <laughs> see it maybe don't you will, you'll see it in a trailer for a DVD that you have because it, it's popped up a lot um, yeah That's Rachel Vice. a specific thing <laughs> you'll see it in trailers for a DVD you own I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> and Rachel Weiss is lovely. Next film of the day is The Lavender Hill Mob. Yes. Now, you've got a bit of Matty Penis. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> M- Matthew Parkinson-ness Cancels. about this. So, just to clarify Joe's... Uh, accidental slur <laughs> this is a film that i have a really great affinity for for about <laughs> joe's gone oh, no. uh so I'll, I'll just give the <laughs> are you okay <laughs> yeah go ahead just keep going all right so uh, i'll just give a brief synopsis of what this film is and then i'll, I'll go into a little bit of uh, how i discovered this film and why i, I like it so much that, i know it's okay joe i know what you meant um right oh. so this is um this is an I old film. on my LinkedIn. <laughs> this is uh, another crime caper film from the 1950s, yeah. and it follows um, a very unambitious and very timid bank clerk whose job it is to supervise the transportation of gold bullion from the gold refinery to the bank he works at. And throughout the film, he decides to team up with a souvenir manufacturer um, to smuggle the gold bullion out of the country into France in the yeah in the form of uh, very unassuming model Eiffel Towers that this souvenir yeah. manufacturer makes. Yes. And looking at the synopsis now, I just realised it says, Google says it's got 100 on Rotten Tomatoes, which yeah. is interesting. Anyway, Google says, Henry, a shy bank clerk in charge of gold bullions, dreams of leading an opulent life. Soon he comes in contact with a foundry owner, Alfred, both plan to smuggle gold out of the bank. Yeah. But... Before I fucked up what I was... <laughs> Tell us your story with right. this film. Yeah, Matt, no, so th- this is... Is uh, what I was trying to say. This is, um, <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about it today. So this was my choice for the podcast. And it is honestly one of my favourite, favourite films. I've seen it 
quite a few times. And um, right. it was a film I first watched about, I think, five or six years ago, about around the time I was really starting to get seriously interested in pursuing film, like, academically. Uh, my dad got me a lot of films, and one of the things he got me was a box set of comedies made by Ealing Studios, which is a British film studio that was around in the 1940s and 50s that made very, like, polite comedies, basically. You can see them as, like, I guess, the antidote for the carry-on films. You know, they're, they're sort of old comedies, but, like, very polite, very wholesome, I guess, and just quite clever. And in that box set was uh, this, The Lavender Hill Mob, as well as uh, some other classics, including The Man in the White Suit, also starring Alec Guinness, who's in this film, um, Kind Hearts and Coronets, which is another classic film, I urge you to check it out, and the original Lady Killers, which uh, people might know because the Coen brothers remade it um, not too long ago, but and there was the original. And so I watched all four of those films a few times, and this one, The Lavender Hill Mob, was by far my favourite it's the one I rewatched the most. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And yeah, it's... Why, why did it um why did it stick out for you the most? Well, I've let's let's get into it. <laughs> Cuz so one one of the things about this film. So I've just I was going through my notes. I've just only positive things to say about this film. Okay. Um right. so first of all, just the premise of it. So it's about these two guys, one's a bank clerk, one's a souvenir manufacturer who smuggle gold out of the country in the form of souvenir Eiffel Towers. And I think that's just such a really clever premise for a film. Yeah. It's just, it's one of the most unique premises for a film I've ever seen. Like, it's clever, but not stuffy. It's very simple. It's very creative, but also quite grounded. It's not over the top. It's just such a great premise for a film. And yeah. the film executes it just so well, I think. Like, so first of all, the performances in this are great. So, uh... Alec Guinness plays the young bank clerk in this, and Stanley Holloway plays uh, the souvenir manufacturer, Gonjo. I put my hand up like <laughs> a kid in class yeah. then. Um, what else has Stanley Holloway been in? I don't know. I'd, I'd never heard of him until... Because until, obviously I've seen Alec Guinness yeah. because of Star Wars. Um, but I, don't, I, didn't know, I didn't know much about the co-star. I, I don't know either. I feel like I have maybe seen him in other films because my dad uh made me watch a lot of very old classic films growing up because obviously those are the films he grew up with and therefore they're the films right. i now grew up with and they're uh, they're very good i feel like i've seen him in other stuff i'm not sure what else he's been that might be one to google after the episode okay. i'm not sure but they both um, they just they play off each other yeah. so well i think like alec guinness plays a very timid character and stanley holloway plays this very much more flamboyant confident well-spoken character and it just they're like the perfect foil for each other they're they great play off each other so great well. chemistry yeah yeah uh, were you about very to say something uh, i was just more so, uh about some of the other co-stars so my dad was uh because I, I was telling him about uh today's episode he was asking me about sid james mm. um sid james is one of the people that joined this team yes and he's um I didn't actually realise he's actually a South African actor. Is he? And I didn't know he, that. Yeah, but he played loads of Cockney roles. Yeah. So that's just something I found interesting. And then you got Alfie... Alfie Bass? Alfie, Alfie Bass? Booth. Alf. I don't know. Oh, no, Alfie Bass, I think. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... Uh, so this is my second time watching this. And you reckon, you recommended it to me the first time because mm. I messaged our group chat that we were in and I basically said, like... What's a film that's perfect, but, like, no one talks about? 
Yeah. Or like, because, you know, obviously your perfect things, people go, oh, Godfather, you, tri- you know, Citizen stuff Kane. like that. And yeah. it's like, I don't really want to watch that right now. Uh, <laughs> like, um, so like overlooked or like, but then I still wanted to, I think I, I still wanted something wholesome. Yeah. So you said, you recommended me this and The Odd Couple. Yes. Haven't seen The Odd Couple yet, but then I, I watched this and I had a really fun time with it. And then obviously on rewatch, I think because I was watching it for the podcast, I had I had not less enjoyment, but it felt a, it felt like I was trying to complete it. Do you know what I mean? That's fair. I know, I know you were busy so maybe, at the time of maybe, watching it, so that's, yeah. But I say all that to say, yeah. um, first time I watched it, I loved the film. Second time I watched it, I just, I had less affinity towards it. That's fair enough. But I don't know whether or not that's because of how I watched it or because of the film itself. Mm. I do think on second watch that, the film kind of just ditches Sid James and Alfie Bass, Alfie Bass, Alfie. Um, <laughs> it, the, the film kind of ditches them. It doesn't do much with them uh, in terms of development towards the end because they're a part of the, they're a part of the Lavender Hill mob. It's, yes, like, yeah, it's they're them. part of the, but, the, sort uh, of the heist team, aren't they, as it were? Yeah. But then again, you could also argue that this film is just fully centric plot-wise around Alec Guinness. Yeah. Like he is the main one with the arc. Like, I, I think... Yeah, because uh, Stanley Holloway and Alec Guinness carry this film so, so well, I think. And I can right. forgive it, the fact that it does abandon the other two characters, <laughs> maybe a little bit. Um, no, it just... And, and you're right, the sort of the, um, the arc focuses around Alec Guinness's character more, and Stanley Holloway's character. Because I, I was going to say, another note I had for this film was that, aside from being just a very fun film, I think on a thematic level, it's really good as well. Because it's a film basically about characters seizing an opportunity characters who feel like their life has stagnated and want a sudden burst of sort of energy in their life and that's and i feel like alec guinness is sort of timid bank clerk and stanley holloway's yeah. kind of disillusioned um souvenir manufacturer both embody that really well like they're both people who are kind of sick of their jobs who want to do like one last big thing to make their lives yeah. worthwhile and it's such it's a great film to think about in that regard as well as just a film to just enjoy, I think. Yeah. Um, part, part of the fun... Well, one of the funnier parts of this film is the fact that everyone treats missing gold as if it's, like, a missing child case. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just found that quite funny. Um, and then also, I've, I've written this online before, but uh, Alec Guinness and Stanley Holloway trying to rob a child. <laughs> <laughs> they've got one of the uh, Eiffel Towers encased in gold. Yeah. Um, so it's, there's just a giant sequence of them trying to chase after this it's kid. It's so funny. I love it. And so rob much. them. It's like, because... And, and then they go into a police convention. <laughs> as if it's like Comic-Con, but for police. <laughs> it's like, of course. Okay. It's, it's fantastic. Because <laughs> th- one of the things yeah. this film does so well, like you said, yeah, there's a lot of scenes that are really funny like that. But there's so many scenes that do just really uh, really good at comedy but also really good at building tension it's like when they're trying to rob right. the kid for example not only is it really funny but you're just thinking oh god let let just happen let let them do it let them do it like the film knows exactly how to string you along for, until the very last yeah. minute it's it's an exceptionally well written well paced film it's very short it's 78 minutes long but yeah. every yeah. minute of it in my opinion is either exciting or fun or both. I think it's the perfect length for this type of film. It's, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't, there's not an ounce of fat on it. It just, it's a joy to watch from beginning to end, in my opinion. 
it's yeah. it's fantastic so many f- scenes build tension like the ferry scene uh where they're trying right. to get on the ferry that's that's really funny so it's, but it's also basically stressful. a long benny hill sequence in that yeah. they're trying to get on this ferry but then they go oh no your passports oh no yeah. you've got to pay for your luggage oh no you got to pay for this and then it's like oh, fuck's sake, and it's like you're clenching the... your teeth but you're laughing while you're clenching your teeth yeah. i think it's great it, yeah yeah um some little tidbits uh very sh- short cameo sequences from people that weren't the people they were and, uh, and at, the, at the time in uh, Audrey Hepburn and Robert Shaw. They're, they're mm. very small bit parts in this film, like blink and you miss it type parts. Who's Robert Shaw um, in it? Because I didn't spot he's him. A p- he's a police officer in the police convention scene. Ah, I don't remember seeing him. So you you, you won't. He's literally <laughs> an extra. Because I've like... seen this film maybe four or five times now. I've never spotted, even on my last watch, because mm. I think you've told me about this before. I didn't spot him. I, I didn't see him. I, I wouldn't have either until I saw the credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of, oh, yeah, of course, Audrey Hepburn, I think it's probably one of her first ever roles. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, how does this compare with other... I haven't seen any other Ealing Studios so, films. Uh, yeah, like... Although, a, yeah. Is, is, um, is Man, Our Man in Havana or Ealing? It, it's, I don't think it's an Ealing film. I, I have seen it um, ages okay. ago. I haven't seen it for years now but it's um it's right. another like british um it's a british crime it's a british film. alec guinness film it's a british alec guinness <laughs> film it's also a crime film but it's more focused on drama so it's more like in the vein of the third man i guess because it's obviously written by the same it's based on a book by the same author as the third man and it kind of follows a similarish uh mm-hmm. narrative i get someone described it online as our man in havana is the third man but for people who like gentle films <laughs> So if you if yeah if the third man was too too much for your little heart go watch Our Man in Havana. But going back to what you asked about um, Ealing comedies, um, so I, I like I said before I've seen four Ealing comedies: this, The Man in the White Suit, the original Lady Killers, and Kind Hearts and Coronets. All of them good to varying degrees, but I think this one is by far the best, or at least by far my favorite. I would say right. And why is that? Oh, just because, uh, like I said, I think um, the premise is the most unique. I think the sort of balance of humour and tension building and like little bits of irony and story beats that come back later on. It's just, I think it's the the most well-written Ealing film I've seen. And yeah, it's just the most exciting to watch. Um, Because the other ones are good as well. Like The Lady Killers is maybe a close second it's also very good but it just doesn't quite have that level of genius that this film has i think okay and so this also applies to brothers bloom Mm -hmm. um because i was thinking about the sting for that and then obviously this oh yeah and we talked about the sting in our comfort films episode so with these films the sting brothers bloom and lavender hill mob what what is it about the con man grifters genre that we find comfort in like what what is it about that type of subgenre that that brings us joy and it's very whimsical like i i i was i was trying to get my head around that because yeah it's a very interesting genre that i i can't really understand why i find comfort in people just being like ha got you got you again <laughs> will i get you i, I, don't I know. suppose it's like, it's <laughs> satisfying to watch isn't it someone cuz there's that sense of, oh, this person's a criminal, so I don't know if I should root for them or not. I want to root for them because I'm very much invested mm. in their story. But on the other hand, I, 
they're inevitably going to fail because they're criminals, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like having that kind of dichotomy in your head sort of lends itself to the enjoyment, I guess, like you're thinking, oh, should I like this person? Should I not? It makes for a sort of, it adds flavor, I guess, rather than having just a good, pure protagonist. You're kind of like, oh, he's a naughty boy, but I like him. (laughs) It's a bit of seasoning. <laughs> it's a bit of seasoning, yeah. And, um, okay. you know, and like, I guess the, the structure of these types of films is very exciting because it's like, ah, we got you. Ah, but this person got you getting him. He got you, got you. So it's like, um, I guess the structure of these films is sort of intrinsically exciting to watch because it's people trying to trick people who are trying to trick themselves but trick others. So it's like so, you're, you're kind so of on the edge of your guessing. seat. Yeah, it keeps you yeah. guessing. Thank you. <laughs> it's much more. So, like, yeah. They're whimsical, and they keep us guessing. So therefore, we find comfort in that. Um, yeah, it's. I guess I'm getting maybe a bit too fake deep on it, but I, I <laughs> it's something that generally intrigues me. And I guess like the crimes um, they commit never feel like they're crossing the line. Like they never do sort of right. unspeakably inhumane things. It's always like, oh, we're gonna rob a bank, or we're gonna right. rip off this mob boss, or you know, we're gonna smuggle gold into France. Like they're very sort of. I don't want to say victimless crimes, but, like, very sort of easy to watch. They're not like, oh, it's not like murder or right. arson or something. <laughs> like, they're, they're crimes yeah. that you can go, oh, I, I, I could guess enjoy also this. You're, there, there must be comfort in watching a plan unfold. Yes. And a plan that's outlined and, like, yeah. here's what we're going to do. We're going to have these people go through here. Doom, yeah. doom, 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 doom. And it's, like, there's that element to it. Yes. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that there's no comfort in American animals, but obviously they watch heist in that film. They watched heist films uh, to prepare for it. And I'm sure that subgenre has elements of this as well. I think, yeah, yeah. I think you've made a good point there. The sort of, it is satisfying to watch, like you said, a complex, but understandable plan be laid out and have that sort of be then played out in the film. I think, I think that's right. Have you seen the original Mm. lady killers? Out of curiosity. No, oh, okay. I haven't seen any of them. Oh, okay. Oh, you haven't seen the remake either? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise? Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. Um, yeah. Oh, Tom Cruise has got a... I, I saw this quickly going through the, the uh, IMDb. Uh, Tom Cruise has got a special thanks in Brothers Bloom because he was interested in being in the project originally. And then he, did, yeah. he didn't. But he's, he's credited in that. Um... Yeah, fun fact. Oh, also, um, another fun fact. Um, mm-hmm. So the director of this film, I don't know if you know, it's uh, yes. it's Charles Crichton who directed this film, who also directed... This, so I, I was Googling to check if he oh. actually did this. Did he direct <laughs> yeah, The Innocents? He, he directed The Lavender okay. Hill Mob. Um, and... Because I looked through the IMDb, I was like, he direct. I still recognise that name, he directed <laughs> The Innocents, and I was looking through it, I couldn't find The Innocents anywhere, and I was like, what the fuck? No, he didn't. Because <laughs> he directed Dead of Night, and then... A Fish Called Wanda. What? He directed, a- Charles Crichton directed A Fish Called Wanda, another crime film. But he didn't do The Innocents? Not, not to my knowledge, no. Oh, I thought that's what you were getting at. No, oh, no, sorry. sorry. Okay. <laughs> he did, have- okay. Uh, so I was right. So <laughs> yeah, uh, Charles Crichton directed this film and also directed the film A Fish Called Wanda. Um, you, you've seen it. It's the yeah the, yeah. the John Cleese Kevin Klein crime caper 
film. Obviously, he was a much older man when he directed that. No, I just thought it'd be interesting. Right. Um, oh, okay, I think, I think films. Facebook's delay made, made, <laughs> sorry, you, I don't made know me why... think you were about to say The Innocence. No, no, was like, sorry. <laughs> no confirmation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just a bit of more trivia about this film, I guess. So this one, um, it won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay back in 1952, I think, or 51. Uh, and Alec Guinness was also nominated for Best Actor for this performance, uh, but lost, unfortunately. Oh, that's what I want to say about Alec Guinness. Go on. Is, uh, obviously, I know him as, maybe most people know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. But with this film on rewatch, I think I've never heard anyone talk about how weird and eccentric of a person <laughs> Alec Guinness is. He's oh, like, he's, he's got so much quirks to him in in the way that, you know... Other people have quirks, like a Nick Cage or something. Like yeah. he, he's not put in that conversation, but he is really weird. He's he's fantastic. <laughs> I, think, I think we should just talk about how weird he is. For, for about, I think I remember <laughs> for a while when I was around either school or college age, he was I think my favorite actor for a little while. Oh, right. He's just I loved him, and I think because I, I saw this and all the Ealing comedies before I saw any of the Star Wars films, because I was quite a late comer to the to the right. Star Wars films. You're what a late comer. <laughs> Okay. Go. Never mind. All right. So if we move on, Matty penis. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, okay, yeah. So... I, I just loved. He's a very chameleonic actor. He just he's very different in a lot of the films he's in. He's and like you said, he's very quirky. I think he's very. He's so weird in this. I love like, it. He pulls these weird little faces <laughs> and yeah. He's oh. so good. Why didn't so... he win Best Actor? <laughs> Yeah, against his probably one other actor that was in the category at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was the other nomination was the statue, um, <laughs> but yeah. So, should I? I mean, yeah. Should people watch the other Ealing comedies if they like this? If the if yeah, I no, I would say that although this is, in my opinion, the best one, um, by a significant margin, I would say go and check out the other ones as well. They're they're all worth the watch if you like the sort of old-school, polite British comedy crime film, I would say, go, go and watch them, because okay. they are the sort of the, um, the foundation of that genre, I suppose. They're, and they're, especially cool. this film. Just I can't recommend this film enough. Go and watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a fun little wholesome time. Yeah. You know, just Alec Guinness and Stanley Holloway being fun little weirdos they're, with their gold. They're so great and, together. Uh, I love them. <laughs> just as a housekeeping wrap up if you want to watch this one it is if you've got a subscription to Britbox through amazon you can watch it on there um but i'm sure it's also available for dvd or on some archives it probably is on bfi somewhere it's a very you know, i've, I've got it on 50. dvds that's how i watched it so. yeah yeah all right i've got it on laser disc <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> but yeah um yeah so I I think this was a like in terms of the films they're very fun. Yes, this was a fun one. I enjoyed this a lot. Um, so our next films will be about heroin and death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Sick, cool. Uh, right. Yeah, no, um, I've had a lot of fun with this. Always, always having fun with Lavender Hill Mob, and I, I like <laughs> always having fun. <laughs> I'll always be open to watching the Lavender Hill Mob, and it was nice watching Brothers Bloom again, seeing a bit more of Ryan Johnson's career. Um, right. No, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Well, oh, and I guess if people want to check out Brothers Bloom, that'll be, ha- uh, yeah, on Amazon. I rented it rent. on YouTube as well. Or on YouTube, yes. 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 
Um, yeah, that was us. Um, like I said, next episode, heroin, death and taxes. Uh, no. Uh, no, we're going to... I think we will have a balance of... We need more fun films because yeah. we're taking out time to watch it. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to go watch Irreversible right now. I, I just just got off work. <laughs> like, That's fair enough. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for listening to us. Uh, if you want to check all of our respective info for socials, they're in our episode bio below on whatever you're listening to, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And yeah, I've been Joe Downey. And I've been Matthew Parkinson. And that's a wrap. <laughs>